Chapter Fourteen of the Gold Hunters by J. D. Borthwick. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sue Anderson. Chapter Fourteen: The Reason for Lynch Law. A few weeks before my arrival there, Downeyville had been the scene of great excitement on one of those occasions when the people took on themselves the administration and execution of justice a mexican woman one forenoon had without provocation stabbed a miner to the heart killing him on the spot the news of the murder spread rapidly up and down the river and a vast concourse of miners immediately began to collect in the town the woman an hour or two after she committed the murder was formally tried by a jury of twelve found guilty and condemned to be hung that afternoon the case was so clear that it admitted of no doubt several men having been witness of the whole occurrence and the woman was hung accordingly on the bridge in front of the town in presence of many thousand people for those whose ideas of the proper mode of administering criminal law are only acquired from an acquaintance with the statistics of crime and its punishment in such countries as england where a single murder excites horror throughout the kingdom and is for days a matter of public interest where judicial corruption is unknown where the instruments of the law are ubiquitous and its action all but infallible for such persons it may be difficult to realize a state of things which should render it necessary or even excusable that any number of irresponsible individuals should exercise a power of life and death over their fellow-men and no doubt many sound theories may be brought forward against the propriety of administering lynch law but california in the state of society which then existed and in view of the total inefficiency or worse than inefficiency of the established courts of justice was no place for theorizing upon abstract principles society had to protect itself by the most practical and unsophisticated system of retributive justice quick in its action and whose operation being totally divested of all mystery and unnecessary ceremony was perfectly comprehensible to the meanest understanding a system inconsistent with public safety in old countries unnecessary in fact where the machinery of the law is perfect in all its parts but at the same time one which men most naturally adopt in the absence of all other protection and any one who lived in the mines of california at that time is bound gratefully to acknowledge that the feeling of security of life and person which he there enjoyed was due in a great measure to his knowledge of the fact that this admirable institution of lynch law was in full an active operation there were in california 
the elite of the most desperate and consummate scoundrels from every part of the world and the unsettled state of the country the wandering habits of the mining population scattered as they were all over the mountains and frequently carrying an amount of gold on their persons inconvenient from its very weight together with the isolated condition of many individuals strangers to every one around them and who if put out of the way would never have been missed all these things tended apparently to render the country one where such ruffians would have ample room to practice their villainy but thanks to lynch law murders and robberies numerous as they were were by no means of such frequent occurrence as might have been expected considering the opportunities and temptations afforded to such a large proportion of the population who were only restrained from violence by a wholesome regard for the safety of their own necks and after all the fear of punishment of death is the most effectual preventive of crime to the class of men among whom murderers are found it is probably the only feeling which deters them and its influence is unconsciously felt even by those whose sense of right and wrong is not yet so dead as to allow them to contemplate the possibility of their committing a murder in old states however fear of the punishment of death does not act with its full force on the mind of the intending criminal for the idea of the expiation of his crime on the scaffold has to be preceded in his imagination by all the mysterious and tedious formalities of the law in the uncertainty of which he is apt to flatter himself that he will by some means get an acquittal and even if convicted the length of time which must elapse before his ultimate punishment together with the parade and circumstance with which it is attended divests it in a great measure of the feelings of horror which it is intended to arouse but when lynch law prevails it strikes terror to the heart of the evil-doer he has no hazy and undefined view of his ultimate fate in the distant future but a vivid picture is before him of the sure and speedy consequence of crime the formalities and delays of the law which are instituted for the protection of the people are for the same reason abolished and the criminal knows that instead of being tried by the elaborate and intricate process of law his very ignorance of which leads him to overestimate his chance of escape he will have to stand before a tribunal of men who will try him not by law but by hard straightforward common sense and from whom he can hope for no other verdict than that which his own conscience awards him while execution follows so close upon sentence that it forms as it were but part of the ceremony for californians were eminently practical and earnest what they meant to do they did right off with all their might and as if they really meant to do it and lynch law was administered with characteristic promptness and decision 
sufficient time however or at least what was considered to be sufficient time was always granted to the criminal to prepare for death very frequently he was not hanged till the day after his trial an execution of course attracted an immense crowd but it was conducted with as little parade as possible men were hung in the readiest way which suggested itself on a bough of the nearest tree or on a tree close to the spot where the murder was committed in some instances the criminal was run up by a number of men all equally sharing the hangman's duty on other occasions one man was appointed to the office of executioner and a drop was extemporized by placing the culprit on his feet on the top of an empty box or barrel under the bough of a tree and at the given signal the box was knocked away from under him not an uncommon mode was to mount the criminal on a horse or mule when after the rope was adjusted a cut of the whip was administered to the back of the animal and the man was left suspended petty thefts which were of very rare occurrence were punished by so many lashes with a cowhide and the culprit was then banished from the camp a man who would commit a petty theft was generally such a poor miserable devil as to excite compassion more than any other feeling and not unfrequently after his chastisement a small subscription was raised for him to help him along till he reached some other diggings theft or robbery of any considerable amount however was a capital crime and horse-stealing to which the mexicans more particularly devoted themselves was invariably a hanging matter lynch law had hitherto prevailed only in the mines but about this time it had been found necessary to introduce it also in san francisco the number of murders and robberies committed there had of late increased to such an alarming extent and from the laxity and corruption of those entrusted with the punishment and prevention of crime the criminal part of the population carried on their operations with such a degree of audacity and so much apparent confidence in the immunity which they enjoyed that society in the total inefficiency of the system which it had instituted for its defence and preservation threatened to become a helpless prey to the well-organized gang of ruffians who were every day becoming more insolent in their career at last human nature could stand it no longer and the people saw the necessity of acting together in self-defence a committee of vigilance was accordingly formed composed chiefly of the most prominent and influential citizens which had the cordial approval and the active support of nearly the entire population of the city the first action of the committee was to take two men out of jail who had already been convicted of murder and robbery but for the execution of whose sentence the experience of the past afforded no guarantee these two men when taken out of the jail were driven in a coach and four at full gallop through the town 
and in half an hour they were swinging from the beams projecting over the windows of the store which was used as the committee rooms the committee during their reign hanged four or five men all of whom by their own confessions deserved hanging half a dozen times over their confessions disclosed a most extensive and wealthy organization of villainy in which several men of comparatively respectable position were implicated these were the projectors and designers of elaborate schemes of wholesale robbery which the more practical members of the profession executed under their superintendence and in the possession of some of these men there were found exact plans of the stores of many of the wealthiest merchants along with programs of robberies to come off the operations of the committee were not confined to hanging alone their object was to purge the city of the whole herd of malefactors which infested it most of them however were panic-struck at the first alarm of lynch law and fled to the mines but many of those who were denounced in the confessions of their brethren were seized by the committee and shipped out of the country several of the most distinguished scoundrels were graduates from our penal colonies and to put a stop if possible to the further immigration of such characters the committee boarded every ship from new south wales as she arrived and satisfied themselves of the respectability of each passenger before allowing him to land the authorities of course were greatly incensed at the action of the vigilance committee in taking from them the power they had so badly used but they could do nothing against the unanimous voice of the people and had to submit with the best grace they could the committee after a very short but very active reign had so far accomplished their object of suppressing crime and driving the scum of the population out of the city that they resigned their functions in favor of the constituted authorities at the same time however intimating that they remained alert and only inactive as long as the ordinary course of law was found effectual from that time till the month of may eighteen fifty six the vigilance committee did not interfere and to any one familiar with the history of san francisco during this period it will appear extraordinary that the people should have remained so long inactive under the frightful maladministration of criminal law to which they were subjected the crime which at last roused the people from their apathy but which was not more foul than hundreds which had preceded it and only more aggravated inasmuch as the victim was one of the most universally respected citizens of the state was assassination in open day and in the public street of mr james king of william by a man named casey the causes which had gradually been driving the people to assert their own power as they did on this occasion differed very materially from those which gave birth to the vigilance committee of fifty one when their object was merely to root out a gang of housebreakers to explain the necessity of the revolution which took place in san francisco in may 
1856, would require a dissertation on San Francisco politics, which might not be very interesting. Suffice to say that the power of controlling the elections had gradually got into the hands of men who stuffed the ballot boxes and sold the elections to whom they pleased, and the natural consequences of such a state of things led to the revolution. In the Alta California of San Francisco of the 1st of June, 1857, is a short article which gives such a complete idea of the state of affairs that I take the liberty to transcribe it. It was written when the Vigilance Committee, having a day or two before hanged two men, were still actively engaged, making numerous arrests, and it is remarkable that just at this time the authorities actually hung a man too. The Alta announces the fact in the following article. Quote, a man was executed yesterday for murder after a due compliance with all forms of law. That he had been guilty of the crime for which he suffered there can be no doubt, and yet it is entirely probable that, but for the circumstances which have occurred in San Francisco within the past three weeks, he never would have paid to the offended law the penalty affixed to his crime. It is a very remarkable fact in the history of this execution that the condemned man, at the time of the murder of Mr. King, was living only under the respite of the governor, and that that respite was obtained through the active interposition of Casey, who little dreamed that he would suffer the death penalty before the man whom he had labored to save. This is the third execution only under the forms of law which has ever been had in San Francisco since it became an American city. Murder after murder has been committed, and murderer after murderer has been arrested and tried. Those who were blessed with friends and money have usually succeeded in escaping through the forms of law before a conviction was reached. Those who failed in this respect have, with the exceptions we have stated, been saved from punishment through the unwarranted interference of the executive officer of the state. So murder has enjoyed in San Francisco almost a certain immunity from punishment, and the consequence has been that it has stalked abroad high-handed and bold. Over a year ago we understood the district attorney to state, in an argument before a jury in a murder case, that since the settlement of San Francisco by the American people, there had been twelve hundred murders committed here. We thought at the time the number stated was unduly large, and think so still. But it has been large enough, beyond doubt, to give us the unenviable reputation we have obtained abroad. And yet, in spite of these facts, but three criminals have suffered the death penalty awarded to the crimes of which they have been guilty. These were all friendless, moneyless men. A sad commentary this on the motto, Equal and Exact Justice to All, which we delight to blazon over our Constitution and laws. Was it not time for a change? 
time if need be for a revolution which would inaugurate a new state of things which would give an assurance that human life should be protected from the hand of the gentlemanly and moneyed assassin as well as from the miserable the poor and the friendless such a revolution has been made by the people and it has been the inauguration of a new and bright era in our history in which an assurance has been given that neither the technicalities of the badly administered law nor the interference of the executive can save the murderer from the punishment he justly merits it has been brought about by the very evils it is intended to remedy had crime been punished here as it should have been had the law done its duty casey would never have dared to shoot down the lamented king in broad daylight with the hope that through the forms of law he would escape punishment there would have been no necessity for a vigilance committee no need of a revolution let us hope that in future the law will be no longer a mockery but become what it was intended by its founders to be a terror to evil doers the number of murders here given is no doubt appalling but it is apt to give an idea of an infinitely more dreadful state of society and of much greater insecurity of life to peaceable citizens than was actually the case if these murders were classified it would be found that the frequency of fatal duels had greatly swelled the list while in the majority of cases the murders would turn out to be the results of encounters between desperadoes and ruffians who by having their little difficulties among themselves and shooting and stabbing each other and thus diminishing their own numbers were rather entitled to the thanks of the respectable portion of the community it is very certain that in san francisco crime was fostered by the laxity of the law but it is equally reasonable to believe that in the mines where lynch law had full swing the amount of crime actually committed by the largely criminally disposed portion of the community consisting of lazy mexican ladrones and cutthroats well-trained professional burglars from populous countries and outcast desperadoes from all corners of the earth was not so great as would have resulted from the presence of the same men in any old country where the law clothed in all its majesty is more mysterious and slow however irresistible in its action End of chapter fourteen